Thank you for tuning in with us today on the Juba City Assembly of God podcast. Hope this inspires you. Hope it builds your faith. Hope it helps you see God in your life. Enjoy the message. Remember, every single week there's a new message from Tuba City Assembly of God. Also, if you want to reach out to us, feel free to reach out to us on our Facebook and our Instagram. Have a good day. This morning, I want to introduce to you what we're going to be getting for the next few weeks. We'll be talking about um, where do we where do we start? You know, I don't know if you're like me, but I try to think about you know the last year, and, and usually you want to look back. I think a lot of times we look back, we can see things that God's done, and um, but this last year was a tough year. Uh, it, it was a lot of challenges. I don't know if any of you would agree with me on that, but it was a challenging year. Um, but that doesn't mean it was a bad year. It was challenging, though. And I, I, when I look back in it, I felt like, for me personally, that the year started out with a lot of energy, and by the time I got toward the tail end, I was, it, was, it was just kind of finishing with a whimper. I felt um, tired and and overwhelmed with some of the things that you know I didn't get done with things I saw that I wanted to see change but just weren't changing at the pace or the speed that I'd like them to and and then I looked inside of me you know and I would do you know look at take inventory of myself and I just felt you know Lord I don't know if I got a grade for this last semester Probably would be a C, <laughs> maybe. And I want, I want you to do some things in my life that are, that are going to do some changing. And, and there was a lot that was going on. And so, you know, when I, <clears throat> when I went to Dallas last weekend, um, I was gone. I got to see my oldest daughter and my granddaughter for the first time, my youngest granddaughter. And it was really part of a, a Christmas gift that Sharon bought that I never, you know, imagined I would ever do. Uh, but I've been a, a NDS, North Dakota State University football fan for probably a, at least maybe 15 years or so, 10 to 15 years. Since I lived, since we moved in business, when we moved to North Dakota years ago. And uh, they've been a championship team I, this last weekend. They won their seventh out of the last eight years. And so Sharon thought, you know what, I'll, I'm going to buy him, buy you a ticket and you can go to that game and uh, that'll be your Christmas gift. You go, go to that game and I never thought I'd be there. You know, and I was in the fan, I was standing there and all kinds of stuff. I was standing by a lot of people who were, who were enjoying themselves with spirits, eh? And have you ever been to a football game? Like, it's like that and and I was, matter of fact, I was, there was a guy on one side from a little tiny community called Wapaton, and then another guy from uh, West Fargo talking to me on both sides. And I was looking at these guys, and, and you know, the guy from Wapaton, I asked him where he's from. He said, I'm from Wapaton, North Dakota. You know where that's at? I said, I sure do. He's like, whoa, <laughs> how do you know that? And I said, because I used to live in Bismarck. And he's like, that's Bismarck, man, that's a great town. He said, it's not too big, it's not too small, it's perfect. And he starts talking to me, and these guys just love their team. The other guy I'm standing by, he was, you know, he was 
obviously he drank probably one too many beers. And from my estimation, he should have never started, but that's another story. And, and he's sitting by me, and he starts talking about his team, and he looks at me, and he, sa and he said, this is going to be our seventh championship. And then he just starts crying. And he said, I love my team. <laughs> and I said, I can tell you do. <laughs> and, 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 and he said, don't you love him? And I said, yeah, I love him. And then he looks at me, and he said, where are you from? And I said, I'm from Arizona. Whoa. That's what he did. Whoa. He said, how did you get here? And I said, I drove. <laughs> and he said, you're a devoted fan. <laughs> and I was just sitting there with all these people just surrounded. I was like, what am I doing here? I'm surrounded by all these Norwegians and Germans. I mean, after every touchdown, it's like, oofta. <laughs> it's, it's like, but it was so much fun. And I was sitting there, and then I got to see my granddaughter and my daughter, and that was, man, that was just home run. And, you know, last week I was, you know, really praying for, for Bree. I was like, Lord Jesus, just touch Bree, use her. And I was praying for her because, you know, um, sometimes Bree can be really quiet, right? It's like, it's like, you know, if she's yelling at you, you can't tell if she's mad, you know, because... <laughs> So you would never know if she's mad. It's, just, it's the same voice all the way across. You know, and so, um, and, and I don't know if you knew this or not, but last year, Brie damaged her ear. And so there's been some inner ear damage. And when I talk to her, a lot of times I'll be talking to Brie and she'll be looking at me, nodding her head. And then I'll say, did you hear what I said? She was like, huh? Uh-huh. I said, you didn't hear me, did you? I said, come here, did you hear me? No. <laughs> And so there's like, sometimes I feel bad because I'm really talking louder. Bree, Bree, get over here. And I don't want to yell at her because I feel, because you guys are hearing me yelling at Bree. Pastor's mean to Bree. And it's like, no, she can't hear me. You know, and, and, but I was so blessed to hear that Bree just, just knocked it out of the park. And um, that's really good. And, and so I was, I went to church last week and I, and I was at this church where this pastor was. I, don't, I guess I'm just sharing a little bit, and I'll get into the message here. But the pastor is getting all excited, and you know, he was, they were on Daystar TV, and me and Sharon were making sure we weren't going to be in the picture, you know, and, and he's getting all excited, and, and he was dancing around. He had water, and then he was talking about it being a new year. He said, you need, he said, he was talking about life up here and life down here. And most of us have a mindset down here. And this is where provision is. And this is where need is. And he kept going. He'd say up. And everybody's yelling up. And he's like, down, down, up. And the church kept going down. And finally he gets excited. He has water. And he runs to the front row. And he just starts splashing everybody with water. And I was like, man, this is, I don't know. <laughs> this is kind of like beyond my abilities. And I was just like hoping he would did it because if he did it would have been my best Sunday ever I was hoping he would have taken a big drink swirled it around <laughs> I was waiting for it but he didn't do it I'm, I'm glad he didn't do it he probably was because he was on TV but it was just crazy it was crazy and I was I was just <laughs> just thinking you know all the weird stuff that was happening but while I was gone God began to talk to me and he was talking to me about all these messages that are going to be coming up. And, you know, I started asking the Lord, Lord, you know, where do we start, Lord? 
Yeah, maybe you know, maybe maybe you felt like me last year. You felt like, Lord, man, it was, I didn't do this and I didn't do that, and oh, I wish this would have changed and that didn't change, and Lord, I haven't been faithful. Or, Lord, I didn't, I didn't get this fixed. And Lord, where do we start? And you know, I had this image in my mind of a of a person standing in front of a big old closet filled with shoes and stuff and you anybody have a closet like that ladies raise your hand be honest Jesus is going to strike you and send you to a place that's hotter than here (laughs) and so you know some of us have a room like that and you 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 look at you know where am I going to start where am I going to how am I going to get this in order And, and I felt like that was that's where I was the first thing the Lord began to do is he began to drop these, these, these messages in my heart. I'm not going to preach them all. I'm going to share them with you just a little bit, and we're going to pray. The first thing the Lord began to tell me is that, son, you're going to have to start on the inside. And as I began to think about that, I was just, you know, because one thing the Lord told me and I need to share this with you, is he told me, he said, son, I want all things to become new this year. And so I was asking the Lord, what does that mean? How how does everything become new? I mean, you know, do I get new shoes? Do I, you know, get a new hair? What do I do? And I understood that as I was listening, he said, you want to start on the inside. Do you know that the Christian life is lived actually from the inside out? If you do a quick look at the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, all of it starts on the inside. The Beatitudes, he says, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs the kingdom. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. for All that's on the inside. He talks about when you go pray, he said, make sure you're not seen by the prayer on the inside. He talks about giving, it's, Starts on the inside. He talks about adultery, and and adultery starts on the inside. He talks about murder, and it it starts on the inside. And as I went through that whole chapter, those those chapters, I realized, God, what you're wanting me to do is begin begin to work on the inside of my life. You see, I realized that if I'm going to start someplace and begin to see things change, that's going to have to start with me. Sometimes we're looking at everybody else and how they need to have some changes in their life, but the reality is that if things are going to be new this year, it's going to start with you. It's going to start with me. It means you're going to have to look in the mirror and look in that closet that you don't like to go into, the place where things are thrown. You know, we have drawers in our, in our kitchens where just everything goes, and we don't like people to open it up because we don't want them to see all the junk in there. But the reality is some of our hearts are like that. We have areas of our life where all the junk is at, and we know how to look at like this on the outside. But for things to be real, Jesus wants to change you and me from the inside. And he wants us to live our life from the inside out, not the outside in. You see, that's what religion is all about. It's all about the outside. Look, 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 let everything look good on the outside. And so I begin to think about that. And we're going to, about, we're going to talk about that next week, about how do we do that and what does it look like. 
The next thing the Lord began to speak to me about, he started talking to me not only about the, out, the inside out life, he started talking to me about healthy family life. Do you know that I've heard people say that it's healthy churches that make healthy families? But you know that's not true. It's healthy families that make a healthy church. The church is actually just a supplement. It doesn't live it for you. That's you and me. And I realize that if, I want, if, I, if we want the body to be healthy, if we want the church to be better, if we want lives to be married and marriages to be better, it's going to have to start with me. If we want better children, it's not just dropping them off or hoping that if they sit in a Sunday school class that maybe by osmosis it's going to get there. It's by beginning to work at that in my life. And, and having a healthy family has to do with prioritizing that. If you want children who serve Jesus beyond your day, parents of children, it's going to have to be a priority that you get them in this house. Because 87% of all people who ever give their life to God do it before they're 17. And if you leave them at home because it's inconvenient to wake them up, and if they don't want to go, how many realize sinners don't want to go to the house of God? Yeah, they're not going to want to go, but you can bring them anyways because right now you're responsible for them. And until they're old enough to live on their own and they're underneath your house, you need to give them the opportunity where they're going to hear the Word of God. But if you leave them at home and you prioritize that, and, and basketball and football and recreation, all those things are important to you. And as long as we do that, and God begin to speak to me about that, about our body, you know, it's one of the things we have families who love their, their children. You guys do. Man, I, I, I've, I never threw my kids a party because they got out of Head Start. But you guys do. They, they got from Head Start. Yay! Head Start. Woo! <laughs> it's like everybody gets out of Head Start. <laughs> but you're going to take them to Phoenix and... Isn't it weird, you know, when parents buy their little babies these really, really nice shoes and they're only going to wear them for like about a month? But you spent $90, $100 on shoes for your baby. Man, give them a sock. They're good enough. <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about. Some of us, we spend so much time, you'll get your kids to everything, but you don't get them to God's house. And here's the deal. If they never find Jesus, you better believe that the odds are that they may not find him the rest of their life. And if they don't find the rest of their life, where are they going to spend eternity? You wanted them to be the star basketball, volleyball, football player, but you know what? If they don't have Jesus in their life and they die, where are they going to go? If they don't learn the values of and learning how to forgive and walk this out, where they, what's going to happen to them? And I, I spent three hours talking to one of the pastors in our community. We were just talking about this. And this, this is not just, this is not just, this is like a, a spiritual problem in Tuba City. It's a, it's a problem. Because when I die, and all of us guys who are 50 and over, when we die, who's going to lead this church? In 20 years, who's going to lead this church? 
was going to pay the bills. Do you know most of the finances come from the older people who are faithful in their tithing? And some of us young families have never learned how to tithe yet. If I'm stepping on your toes, say, ouch. Because this is important, guys. If we want our children to be godly and love God and do right, we've got to make this house an important thing. We've got to make Sunday an important day. It's not just a given. This is a, it's an important day. You know, now when I was, you know, I took my grandkiddos to church last week. My daughter, I want her to be in church. And we asked her, would you come? And we talked to Holly about all the miracles that God did. She had angels and things. She was healed. I mean, God healed my daughter. She got bit by a brown recluse, and it began to eat away a big hole in her leg. The doctor told her, you might have to have your whole leg amputated. You might die. We, start, we got people all over the country to pray for her. My, my wife flew down there. By the time Sharon got there, that hole had healed completely. My daughter knew God healed her. She had an angel show up one day, just rescue her, and she knew about it. She's not antagonistic. She just has bad habits and doesn't go to church. And so I took my little ones, I took my grandkiddos to church. That was fun. I took Makai. You know, you guys haven't seen Makai. Makai's this tall now. And all of his teeth are gone. He, he's, he just likes, it looks like an old grandpa or, or, you know, maybe some glani out there. Just lost them all. Just, he just was, he's, and he, he feels so bad because Kai likes to look nice. He said, I don't know why, he just, he really like, and he was wearing, he was wearing like those skinny jeans. Kai was like trying to look all fashionable. But every time I would tease him, I said, Kai, where's your teeth? <laughs> I'll say, the girls don't like you look like that. They like men with teeth. He was like, be quiet, Grandpa. <laughs> he got really tall. Naya's this tall. She talks. And when you saw her, her hair is all curly. Beautiful, man, Naya's just beautiful. I took them to church, and they went. They couldn't wait to go to church, and I walked in that church. It was so awesome. We had workers everywhere, hundreds of workers for these kids. And those workers had T-shirts that said, I love my church, I'm proud. And, and, and they were serving these little kids. They walked in, and they had TVs, and these kids walked. They had a big old thing separated for the nursery. They had all this play area, like a big play sponge area for the kiddos and everything. And they broke them down, and I was looking at these people excited about serving the next generation. And I was like, God, bring that to Tuba City. Instead, you know, like, you know, sometimes not that it's that way here, but I've been to a lot of churches where, like, nursery and children's church is like the last idea. It's like if you ask somebody to go to nursery, like, I ain't going there, man. That's like, that's like serving, doing time in prison. I'm not going. And, and, and so you take our little kiddos and we just kind of throw them in there and we hope that there's somebody there to watch them. I went to one church. There was no nursery attendant. This is not here. I went to a church in Montana. I was preaching there. I walked down the hallway and they were taking little kiddos and they, were, and they had a, the, one who was, the one who was operating the nursery. Guess how old he was? Seven. <laughs> 
And those kiddos were walking in there. It was like a madhouse. Can you imagine a seven-year-old trying to run the nursery? There were, there were crayons everywhere. There were marking Cheerios everywhere all over that floor. It was like the devil was in there. You could, you could feel it. And I was like, God, send somebody in there to help those kiddos. Help them realize God is interested in our families. He's interested in our nursery. And I believe there's some of you that God has put that on your heart, but you've been sitting on it for a while. And some have been waiting, God, if it's really you, just, you know, let, you met the, you know make, just let me wake up and there'll just be a vision of a child in front of me. And you see them every week. They walk into church, that little kid, big old greenie, hanging all the way down here, waiting for somebody. And that's your Macedonian call, but you're waiting for something else. I don't know if you're waiting for me to walk down the aisle with a sword and say, I dub thee, sir of the nursery and go i don't know what you're waiting for but god's been calling some of you you need to realize god may want to bless you by you blessing those kiddos do you realize i started ministry in the nursery at all tribes assembly of god in phoenix it was in the old church on mckinley street 7th and mckinley it's a big old building it's an older building and the nursery was in the basement it was like a dungeon there was no lights down there it was scary you could, I mean, there was like mold on the walls and you could see monsters in the corner. And I was in that little nursery. I just was like, Jesus. I was there and those little kids came in and those parents would leave me in there for the longest time. And those kiddos would have loaded diapers. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? I was in the nursery, man. I mean, it's hard when you're in a tiny nursery with four kids with loaded diapers. I'm going to realize that's toxic. You lose life when you're in there. I was in there, but you know what? It was the most fun thing. After a while, I got my attitude right, and I couldn't wait for those little kiddos, and I'd be down there. I'd be a little bit of those little tiny smarties with some candy, and I'd say, come on in here. You come on. You can chase the rainbow. The candy man can't. Come on in here. And they'd come in, and I'd read the Bible for them. I'd read little stories to them. I'd make them act out stories. I'd say, okay, you're going to be the donkey this week, and you're going to be, you're going to be Jesus, so right the donkey and so these kids would have fun and they'd be riding and I'd, I'd teach them about the Lord I did I had a blast some of you think it's going to be so boring I'll never go to nursery well that's why you're so miserable you're just getting old you're like an old sponge with no water faces drying up elbows all tizzy just drying up look at the person next to you and say your elbows need lotion <laughs> you're really looking I'm just teasing you <laughs> but you know what I mean when you start serving and you give your life away to help other people that's when the blessing starts coming and so he started talking about family life importance for healthy families having a healthy family man that's, that's awesome the next thing he started talking about was discipline as a doorway to a new life. Do you realize that one of the biggest things that we need discipline is, is time management? Do you guys know that? Let me just read you a couple of thoughts about time management. We need to have a to-do list and a today list in our lives. I was telling the board when they walked in and I was shocked because my smartphone, it gives me a little thing 
every notifi notifies me and says, this is how much screen time you averaged last week. And so I looked at that this morning, and it said, you averaged six hours on your phone a day every week, or this week. And I was like, what? How many of you guys, would you be shocked if your phone said, you've been on me for 12 hours every day this week? You'd be like, what? But some of us, we do. Now I realize I do research on my phone. <clears throat> I use my phone for research. It's not all the way, but six hours? That's like half a day. Can you, it's like half a day. You're on, some of you guys, you're on your phone half the day. And I know some of you are on it a lot longer than six hours. You are. Because I see some of your posts on Facebook. And you're on there like every other hour. Because my phone blips when it says somebody made an update. And my phone just blips and you're like blipping every half hour. And if I look, it's always a new, new selfie. You know, you got a cup of coffee. You, you know, you just try to make it look really nice with you and your cup of coffee. <laughs> Everything. It's like you're updating the selfies all the time. And I realize, you know, we just got to manage our time because some of us, we say, I got no time to read the Bible. Yes, you do. You've been squandering your time. You haven't been reading your Bible at all. And if we step back and say, how much time are you looking at Netflix? How much are you on the Internet? Yo, man. It's a whole nother story. The truth is some of us, we've been living our life in a box and we don't even realize that you're starving for the word of God. You're starving for God. If you want to get healthy, start managing your time and say no to your phone. Amen. Some of us, we just need to, man, make the break and go back to the old flip phone. <laughs> Some of us, we just need to go back to the, if you can't help yourself in a flip phone, you'll be texting, so just get a walkie-talkie, eh? <laughs> Big one, just go, the old one, remember that? You'll start, or go, go back, you're, you know, hello, hello, hello. Get one of those. Because I'm like you. I realize, not only we need to discipline that, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move on, because we have a sermon, I got sermons to preach on this stuff. You're gonna have, we're going to have fun, guys. Look at the person next to you and say, this is going to be good. It's going to be good. God started talking to me about discipline with my time. Oh, my gosh. I'm, I'm like, so many times I say, I got, no, I got no time. I got plenty of time. And you do, too. All of us have time. And as a matter of fact, we all have the same amount. Do you know that in the last week... I started doing something new this year. I've been going to bed early. I went to bed at 9 o'clock. So, I know some of you guys do. That's your habit. But for me, that was a shock. I, went to, I was asleep at 10. And you know what time I was waking up every day? 4.25. Man, before that, I only saw 4.25 once a day. I didn't realize it came around twice. <laughs> and so I, start, I, I was getting up. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll get up. Do you, know four, do you know at 425, it's really quiet. You can walk outside. There's not even any noise in Tuba City. You just walk, and, and you can pray. 
because there's nobody's awake. You can have your cup of coffee all to yourself. If you say, my kids, my kids, go to bed early. Well, they won't go to sleep. Yes, they will. Turn off all the lights. Pretty soon they will. And pretty, because after a while, you got nothing to do. Trust me, my grandkiddos, they were staying up late. John, Johnny, my son-in-law, I love John to death and Danny, but they were staying up really late, and those kiddos were ruling the show. And they were up till 1, 2, 2 o'clock in the morning. Asher's walking around trying to eat <laughs> at 2 o'clock in the morning. I was like, that kid needs to get to bed. And some of you are the same way, only you're 65, wandering around 2 o'clock in the morning, looking around the fridge. Go to bed. Anything you eat after 7 is just going to turn into fat. You don't need it. Just drink some water and go to bed. How many guys know what I'm talking about? Look at the person next to you and wiggle your eyebrows and say, he might be talking about you. <laughs> right? Just go to bed. You know when Danny and them decided to do it is when John moved out to, he, started, he took his job in, in, in Shiprock, and as soon as it happened, you know what? Those kiddos started going to bed early. They started to go to bed at 9 o'clock, 10, 10 o'clock. They're already asleep. You see, all of us can fall asleep. Like some of you are falling asleep in this sermon, eh? <laughs> we're almost done. I'm just going to hit three of them and we're done. Sean, if you can make, I don't know if Sean's in here, if he can make his way up. I don't know if he's here or not. For example, I want to talk to you about money is not my God. You know, it's really interesting when we really start looking at that sometimes we don't realize how our lives are ruled by finances. The last thing I want to talk to you about, Will Will, coming up is how prayer is a priority. It's going to be my go-to this year. I don't know about you guys, but it's going to be my go-to. I found this last year that I probably complained more than I prayed. Have you ever prayed complaints? You know what I mean? That most of our prayers were probably complaints. I, I, I was in the office with this, the staff this week and I was sharing with Phyllis, you know, how I was feeling and all these messages and she said, you know, Pastor, ever since I've been in here, I've been writing down all this stuff and she said, we did a lot. We just didn't pay attention. And I told her, I said, you know, it's true. I think there are times I couldn't see the forest for the trees. I just didn't see it. And I started getting attacked in my mind and started feeling down. When I was in Atlanta, I was talking to 120, 150 kids. The youth group was just, these kids are just, they love Jesus on fire, man. These kids wanted to pray and, serve, and just, I mean, eighth graders. There was, was one young boy, he's an eighth grader, and he, he came up to me <clears throat> and he said, can I talk to you? And I said, sure, sure. He said, Pastor, I have these thoughts that come to me 
that tell me you're homosexual. But I, I, I know I'm not. And I try to push them away, but they come back. What am I supposed to do? And so I asked him, I said, where do they come from? Is it inside of you? Or does it come from outside of you? He said, I, I don't know. He started telling me, he said, all, all, the, all the kids at school, they make fun of me. They say, you talk like a girl. I said, I've been talking to you for half an hour. You don't even talk like a girl. I never thought that for one minute. He said, my dad, he gets mad at me. And he says, quit walking like a girl. Eighth grader. He was all confused. But he loved Jesus. And I told him, I said, you know, I wasn't, you know, I, I saw you walk up. I mean, I wasn't checking you out, but I, I saw you walking. And I didn't think you act like, walked like a girl. And I said, do you ever <clears throat> think that maybe the devil uses people to talk to you? I said, no. I said, the devil would use Peter to try to get Jesus to do something wrong. I said, I don't know why your father would say that. I don't know. It's just his own insecurities, his own fears. I said, but let me tell you something. Do you, I said, have you ever acted on that? And he said, never. So when was the last time it came to you? He said, probably about two months ago. I said, so does it happen all the time? He said, no. And I told him, do you realize something? You're actually winning? You've been resisting this, and you've been winning. His eyes got really big. He said, do you realize that the greatest weapon the enemy has at you and me, please look, and look up here, listen to what I'm going to tell you. The greatest weapon he uses against you and me is psychological warfare. It's to tell you something that isn't true. For example, you start, like even this year, you, you might, some of you might have looked at the year and you looked at the calendar and you said, it's just going to be like last year. And that is a big lie. But all of a sudden that word got in there and you go to work and you say, it's just going to be the same. And it's not true. But some of us have been listening to the lie of the enemy over and over and over again. I'll give you an example. Do you know in World War II in the South Pacific that our troops were fighting against the country of Japan? Japan fought against not only America, but South Korea as well, and the Chinese. And in that time, when we were fighting, it was a very tough battle. If anybody knows anything about the South Pacific fighting, and they fought on Guadalcanal, they fought on all these different little islands, and it was just a foot at a time making headway. And it was probably the toughest part of the battle for the United States, not Europe, but it was the South Pacific. And we fought for every inch. Lost a lot of lives. That's where, a matter of fact, that's where most of the Navajo code talkers were over there in the South Pacific. And do you realize there was a there was a radio person that had radio that went all over, and there was a person, a lady, got on the radio every day, and she went by the radio named Tokyo Rose. And every day she got on the radio, she would say, "America, give up. You're not winning the battle. You're going to lose. Surrender now." 
You'll never make it. You're losing. Japan is the greatest. It's time to surrender now. Day after day after day. While those soldiers were fighting in the trenches and they're seeing death all around them, to hear that every day, give up, give up. You're not going to make it. And some of you last year, that's what you heard. Day after day after day after day, you're not good. You'll never make it. You're barely getting by. You're a failure. You're this. You're that over and over and over and again. And I want to tell you something and hear it from this pastor you are not what the devil said you are closer to breaking through than you can realize because the propaganda came more and more the closer they were to winning the battle you see if the devil can tell you stop praying it's not working and you start believing that you and you were just like one hit away from breaking through one just one step away you know how they say when you're running in a marathon, there's a spot when the hardest is, is you hit a wall. Now, I've never run a marathon before, and trust me, I know I don't look like it, but I used to run short distance. And when I was in college, I ran the 300 indoor. I, I used to run the 300 yards indoor. And you know the hardest part of the race was not the beginning. In the beginning, actually, the first 250 yards, I was, one, I was one of the fastest guys. I got out of the blocks quick. I was racing right there with guys with world-class speed. But you know when it hit me? Every single time. Last 50 yards. I came around that turn, and it was something invisible. Boom! And I would just feel it like... And in my brain would be this thought, just give up, just quit. You're not going to get there. And guys would start passing me. You're not, you're not fast enough. But you know the one thing that kept me from stopping? Is I used to run in the race against another guy from Haskell. He was another Indian guy from Detroit. I never wanted to lose to him. And I never did. And so I would tell myself, I'm not going to let Alan beat me ever. And so I would be like pushing it. And you know how many times I finished that? I remember the last race I ran, I ran in the indoor. I was running underneath, underneath the Allen Fieldhouse at KU. And I came around that last corner. I finished fourth in my heat. That wasn't bad. It wasn't, I didn't medal, but it wasn't bad. But you know, when I got done, I was so glad because I left Allen all the way back number eight. And you know what, I, when, I, when I got there, I mean, I just walked over to that big bucket. And I sat there with those, you know, you get those dry. And pretty soon, I took fourth. And I laid down on the ground with my stomach hurting, my head hurting, but I took fourth. <laughs> I wasn't going to quit. Now look at the person next to you and, and, and say, you're not a quitter. If, if they're far away, you got to yell at them, Alvin, hey, you over there, you're not a quitter. You're not a quitter. I'm not a quitter. Say it loud. I'm not a quitter. Ah, say it like you mean it. I'm not a quitter. Now look at the person next and say, you're not a quitter. Now look at the person behind you and say, you're victorious. In Jesus' name. Now I want all of you on the count of three. One, two, three. I want you to say, Jesus, as loud as you can, like you were rooting for your favorite football team, even though they lost yesterday. I want you to raise the roof and say, Jesus, 
Everybody on the count of three. One, two, three. Yes! Hallelujah! Hallelujah!